Okay, go. This is um this is lost in the maze number five. Yeah, this is the fifth one on the uh the billionaire podcast network. Kaching, bing 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 bing, fill her up. I don't know how to do I haven't I haven't figured out how to do the station tags yet or really any any production for anything that uh we're doing for for the for the podcasts. Uh I just sort of I mean, thank God Zoom, I, dude, thank God for the pandemic and Zoom, because the Zoom app, if you, if you got a computer, you can just fire up the app and hit record. Otherwise, I'd be fucked otherwise. I don't know how to fucking do anything. That's the, um, I guess, the conundrum with uh, when you're the talent, you know, when you have, when you've spent all the time try, trying to figure out how to be the talent, you don't possess any of the production skills, which are the probably more valuable than just being, you know, trying to figure out how to actually talk into a fucking microphone, probably a more, more worthwhile skill set to actually be able to work with a computer and do shit on it. But I don't know how to do none of that. So, you know, thank God that I can just uh, open up Zoom and hit record and start rambling. And then, you know, from here, I'll build, I'll, I'll build my empire because I'm the first billionaire podcaster the the caucasian copperhead the uh the daniel plainview of podcasting my name is dalton peruitt and this is lost in the maze this is the the solo show that i do um since i've become pretty adept at talking to myself somebody i saw that the, uh one of the <clears throat> there was like a comment on one of the things we uploaded that wanted like a rundown of what happened, like why I was, I disappeared and came back and all that. And I thought I, I figured that was like common knowledge, but I'll do my best to give like a, a synopsis of everything. Cause uh, yeah, I was, I was on track to be the, um, are, you know, arguably the next re- like really big thing in comedy, you know, just, I was, I was set to really take over the world and uh unfortunately that all just went to fucking shit um well, what happened was um and it, it was a combination it was a combination of my own stupidity and just a lot of other elements like everything just coming together in a weird way but i'll, I'll give like the best like quickest rundown i can of all this but I um was just like you, you know just trying to like figure out how to become noticed as a comedian uh and, you know for the longest time and then eventually I got some traction going like I I did start to like kind of garner an audience just through my associations with people like Luis J Gomez and Zach Amico and the Are You Garbage guys and like all these uh, all these people I was like milling around with and doing all these like bigger podcasts. I was like, I all of a sudden, like I was getting a lot of attention. And then the, the podcast I was doing with Robbie Goodwin and Joe Gorman was starting to kind of take off. And um, that was the loud boys and everything was looking like it was going in a pretty, pretty cool direction. Like we, you know, um, I, I, I think like, I think in our minds, we thought that perhaps we were going to get away with maybe even doing like the come town thing where it's like, maybe we could just put in as little effort as possible and just make tons of money doing this. 
I don't I don't know what they thought. I just that was like <clears throat> that was like one of the big critiques of the show at the time was that it was like a uh you know the the Coke Zero version of Come Town, I guess. <laughs> But I mean, you know, whom whom amongst us doesn't wear our influences on our sleeve for a little while before we can shake those off and find our voice, you know, or artistically. Uh, but th- you know, things were looking pretty good, and then this was you know, a lot of this was happening during the pandemic, and so like, I, you know, everybody's losing their fucking minds during this thing anyway, and I, me especially. I, I was uh I was dealing with like a lot of like really personal tragic shit and that doesn't make me special or anything. I mean everybody was like losing people during that time. Um but it was like coinciding with like all of a sudden getting like all this attention and and then you know that's sort of the X and Y axis of like I'm losing my mind during the pandemic and now all of a sudden like thousands of people know who I am. And then the Z-axis on that is drugs, which is to say, you know, the prescription stuff I was on, which was uh, 25 mils of Lexapro every day. And then, you know, hanging around all the, the skanks people, yes, I had pretty good access to really good weed and edibles, mushrooms, acid. And I was just like really throwing caution to the wind with all that stuff. Like I was, I was doing a lot of uh, psychedelics in, in in a way that you're not supposed to, you know, cause I, you know, it's it like, I have that addict thing in me. So if I, if I hear like a snippet of the Joe Rogan experience where somebody says, yeah, you know, I've heard that there's like medicinal benefits to psilocybin. Like I, I hear something like that and the way I process it is, oh, I guess that means I could just like do mushrooms as much as I want as often as I want. Like it, you know, it's the same, the same philosophy is like anytime I've read, like, cause I, I also like struggle with alcohol. So it's like, if I ever read anything that was like, Hey, you know, they say that there's like, um, red wine can, can be healthy for you. You know, if you have a couple glasses a night, I'll, I'll read that. And I like understand what it's saying, but then in the way I warp it in my head is like, well, I guess I could drink an entire bottle of Carlo Rossi. You know, Carlo Rossi, the big, like, it looked like the big jug that you would normally see with, like, three X's on it in, in cartoon, like, Looney Tunes cartoons. But it's a big jug like that filled with, like, burgundy, like a shitty red wine that you can get at the store. It's it, <clears throat> it's probably, like, it might be shittier than Franzia or any boxed wine. But the packaging is what makes it special. Is it's not in a box. It's in a big Looney Tunes uh, XXX jug, and it has a cool like Italian guy on it with like the bald ponytail, like Reggie from uh, Phantasm. Remember Reggie from Phantasm, the the ice cream truck guy. He had like he was like a hideous dude. He like he was not attractive at all. He was bald, but he had the long ponytail in the back, and he wore like um you know, like an ice cream truck suit, like a fucked up tuxedo. But in the series, he was like portrayed as the like cool guy of the group. Like he drove an ice cream truck and he played guitar and he was like the cool sort of um, like the Lothario of the Phantasm crew, which I guess was just him and uh, Michael. 
in the ghost of Jody who had died at the uh, near the end of the first movie and then at some point got turned into a, a one of the balls like one of the silver spheres um because that was some I guess that was something that tall hand was able to do was he 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 could kill people and turn them into dwarves and I guess like certain people he could turn into those like fucked up orbs that he would send flying everywhere there was a fifth one you know like I'm pretty well versed in phantasm i've seen them all uh multiple times but it was only like through from the 70s to like the 90s that don coscarelli was making these movies he did phantasm phantasm 2 phantasm 3 lord of the dead and then phantasm 4 oblivion and i think the last two maybe two through four i know for sure three and four were direct to video and Phantasm 4 came out in like maybe the mid to late 90s and then it just the series was over forever and it looked like it was just never gonna you know probably never gonna come back and then um I think in 2015 or 2016 he dropped uh Phantasm 5 and he got in right at the fin like right under the wire because I think in 2016 Angus Scrim the uh the actor who played the tall man through the entire series he died so he filmed Phantasm Five like right before this guy died, and it came out. And I don't know he because Don Coscarelli directed that, and he also directed that movie, the movie based on that book, um, John Dies at the End, the movie with Paul Giamatti in it. But both of these movies, Phantasm Five and John Dies at the End, like I don't know like really anything about filmmaking, but I, I know like what I'm looking at can like I I can like kind of understand camera work maybe and like watching these two movies like phantasm five and john dies at the end the like later don coscarelli movies they looked like they were filmed with like like a sony hd camcorder like they looked like they were shot on like home video remember like when hd tvs came out and you'd go into best buy and they would have these tvs just like cranked up to full fucking blast on all the settings and they'd be showing pirates of the caribbean on one, on you know one of these new flat screen hd tvs and it looked like fucked up like it like you would see it would like look like it like wartime footage like it was shot on a fucking like camcorder or gopro like everything's like moving around and you feel like it doesn't look like a movie anymore it it, it feels like boots on the ground like journalistic reporting but you're you know it's jack sparrow and will turn like it looked those tvs look fucked up and i guess like i guess you were supposed to when you bought a tv like that like going and adjust the settings so shit like actually looked like tv and movies but then like i guess a lot of people didn't know to, i think a lot of people probably just thought that this is what hd looks like you know everything looks like fucking dog shit uh, but because it's crystal clear, that's HD. And I would go over to people's houses and they'd have like, you know, 60 inch like Sony Bravia TVs they bought at Best Buy. And like everything looked like fucking just high res crystal clear soap operas. Like every, like every movie just looked fucking crazy on these TVs. And I, I think like now maybe they fixed that. Like now maybe factory settings on TV don't look like that or people have caught on. But that was that was like such a weird time when those TVs first came out because you'd go to Best Buy and 
they take you in the Magnolia room, like, yeah, this TV's $2,500. And it's like, well, why does Kill Bill Volume 2 look like fucking dog shit on this? Why does it why does it look like Tarantino came in with a fucking GoPro to make this movie? And it was, I guess it was because the settings on the TVs were just cranked to full fucking blast. Uh, and that's but that's what Phantasm Five and John Dies at the End just looked like naturally. Like I was watching Phantasm Five and uh, you know, I got my TV calibrated. I know what shit's supposed to look like. And I was watching this movie and I'm like, well, this, this looks like it was shot on a fucking so it's like a YouTube fan film for Phantasm, but it was actually made by Don Coscarelli with like the entire original cast: a Michael Baldwin, Reggie Bannister, Angus Scrim, the uh, the black lady from the third one comes back at some point in that movie. Um, you know they bring the it's the gang's all back for a, another just absolute nonsense fucking movie that I didn't understand, but found at least compelling enough to watch the whole thing in some way. Um, and how did I, shit, how did I get on Phantasm? I was talking about, okay, I was doing a lot of drugs and, uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, I don't know how I got on this. Reggie Bannister, A. Michael Baldwin, Phantasm, Don Coscarelli, Legion of Skanks, Mushrooms, Acid, Red Wine, Carlo Rossi, uh, XXX Looney Tunes Jug. Um, I don't fuck. I love, I have no idea. Why am I talking about Phantasm? I mean, it is a cool movie series. I would highly recommend at least the first four movies. Five, you could probably skip, but those first four movies are fucking nuts. Anyway, so I was doing a lot of uh, psychedelics and smoking a lot of weed, eating a lot of edibles. One of my favorite things to do was uh, they have these things called punch bars. And uh, it's a chocolate edible that is broken up into like 10 different little squares. And I think like all together, the whole thing is like 225 milligrams. And I'd buy one of those and just pop the whole thing in and eat that and just go about my day. Um, Because there was like nothing to do it was like during the pandemic so it's like i'm fucking bored to tears losing my mind just spending all this time isolated wondering when this is gonna end so it's like well i'll just get like as fucked up as possible on stuff that is healthy that's not booze or kratom or whatever and um yeah you know and unbeknownst to me you're not supposed to be mixing all this shit with an ssri and if you have any sort of predilection or propensity for a schizophrenia or psychosis, like if, if you have a history of men, like mental illness in your family, even weed can really go sideways on you. Like people need to be really careful about this sort of stuff. Like I know a lot of places are starting to like legalize it and the, the stigma is going away on all this, but um, you know, weed, even just weed, for some like a certain amount of people can really drive them into a fucking spy like psychotic spiral. And uh <clears throat> so I was like doing all this for a number of months. And I like honestly the the tipping point, the breaking point, and this is this is no fault of anyone associated with Skankfest or any of that, but it was like at Skankfest South, I just was like my like when I got there going into it, my one and only goal was I'm going to do 
as many drugs as possible with like within the limits of the drugs I had deemed acceptable. Like it was, it was like, I'm not going to go fucking around with stuff I've never tried before that I am like scared to do like Molly or Coke or any of that. But I was like, I'll eat as many fucking mushrooms. I'll do as much acid. I'm smoking weed. I'm doing all three days. I'm just like going to consume as much of this as I possibly can. Uh, and I did. And then, um, and th- there was like this weird thing where this was like, this event was kind of the first thing a lot of people had really gotten to do in a long time because of the pandemic. Like everybody was like waiting for this festival to happen. It was like us. And then the Travis Scott festival and, and uh, you know, the one across the street where the uh, people got killed. And, um, and so this was like a big thing. So we, it was like a finally a moment where we could all let our hair down and just have like a good ass time. We did, but then, um, you know, I had spent all three days just like doing as many drugs as possible. And then flew, you know, got back to my apartment after everything. And I just got hit with this like crazy, like unbelievable depression that I assumed, I think like, I thought everybody was getting hit with this because it was like, I thought this was just like the natural order of like spending all this time locked up and fucking hysterical and anxious because of the pandemic and then getting to go do this really fun thing and then having to go back to just like regular life and trying to like manage all of this. And maybe some people were dealing with feelings like that, but I was like, like I didn't realize like I was getting hit with something like way, way worse than probably what anyone else was dealing with. Cause I was like truly losing my mind. And so like, yeah, Skangfest South was in, I don't know. It was like November of that year. And then, yeah, come December, I was, like, complete Looney Tunes. Like, it had just been, like, building up in my mind um, just this depression, which then swung way over to, uh, like, almost like a euphoric feeling where I was, like, just, like, really anxious, like, just ready to fucking go, like, work hard and create things and do all this stuff but I was making like really insane impulsive decisions I think the people around me saw like was I was like destroying my life and I think people were like trying to tell me like hey you're kind of acting crazy and I was just like you know unfortunately when you're going through like a manic thing like this anybody who tries to help most people don't know how like don't understand the bedside manner you're supposed to have in those situations and I can't fault them for that because it's it's like you know i'm a maniac so because like the way you're supposed to approach anybody who's like seems to be going through a manic thing is like not refute their delusions or what they're doing but try and like meet them in the middle somewhere like talk to them and like get a better understanding of what's going on and not like accuse them of being sick or going crazy you're supposed to you know i I, most people are not qualified or have any idea how to deal with a situation like that so it's like people were definitely trying to help and i'm glad that they were at the time because i was um acting really manic and making like crazy decisions and then it eventually turned into like full-on psychosis so i'm like you know i i was peeking at the blinds and I I thought I had gotten hit with like a direct energy weapon and I was coming up with all these crazy conspiracies and 
tweeting out every single thought I had because that's like one of the compulsions with all this is like you're having all these delusions and you feel like you're being uh, spoken to in some way by like this divine presence like God himself is or the universe or something is like giving you this information and so you have this like compulsion to like share it with everybody so it's like all this stuff I'm tweeting it out I'm, I'm calling everyone I know to like talk about this stuff sending crazy texts and the whole time everyone that I'm trying to talk to is like yo dude you gotta go to the fucking hospital you're really sick and I just kept going, no, fuck you, you you don't know a fucking goddamn thing about anything. And and so, like, you know, I was just driving people away. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and then eventually it just uh, became a thing where people around me and the general population deemed me to potentially be a harm to myself and others. And so I got... You know, a 5150, which is involuntary hospitalization, spent some time in the psych ward, got out, and then was, like, trying to live a normal life after all that crazy shit. And then, unfortunately, one of the, when you go through, like, a prolonged period of psychosis, which mine was months, it was just months and months of, like, in the psychosis, where it's, like, the euphoria, not sleeping, delusions, conspiracy, uh feeling like electrical surges in your brain like all this shit um like you go through all that and then like once once you kind of come out the other side of it and like come back to earth and realize oh yeah they were right i am crazy you don't snap back what can happen what happened to me is uh i got some clarity on this and it's something called avolition not abolition, not like freeing the slaves. It's called abolition. And it's a tricky thing because it, it can appear as though it's like laziness or apathy or just like general depression. Like, a, and I guess it, it does like go, coincide with depression. But what it is, is like sort of like a waking coma where like in your mind, you're aware of like, okay, there's like, I have to like do this, this, and this, and I have to function and do stuff. But you become physically mentally emotionally spiritually like completely incapable of doing anything it's really devastating and, and tragic to have to deal with uh something like that because it makes just very simple everyday activities as difficult as running a marathon or climbing a fucking mountain just like getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, cooking, like everything just becomes completely fucking impossible. And, and not only that, you have no, like, no way to communicate anything. Cause like even speech and thought and all that just is impossible. So you're like basically catatonic. It's like as close to a coma as you can get without actually being in a coma. You're just like, you exist and you're like kind of aware of the world and everything, but you're like, like reliant on either having like people that can help you through this or you're just like completely fucked. Cause it, it like, it, and you know, I finally got clarity on this recently. Like it, just everything that's associated with like psychosis and possibly even schizophrenia and like what can happen during a prolonged period of psychosis and then what can happen afterwards and how to recover from all that. And it's like with, with 
something like this that like what they call evolution that's probably like the most devastating aspect of it because you're just out of fucking commission you're like completely and utterly fairly and squarely fucked during that time because there's no fucking way you can actually function like during all of that and that's why i live in a box car now and i have to record these from the lobby of the days in because it's you know i lost everything during that time but you know you eventually come back and then you just have to deal with the repercussions of like that happening to you but yeah it's 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 really fucking it's a it's a tricky thing because like yeah you're you're like aware of the world around you and it's sort of like just this thing where like you're receiving information and the world is turning and things are happening, but you're just not capable of interacting with it in any real meaningful way. So you like, you just become a zombie until it's over. And, uh, and then when it's over, you're like, well, now I gotta, you know, either rebuild or just pair, you know, suffer and perish or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what happens now, but it is nice that there's a name for it. And, it's like I've I've looked up other like communities online and people that have dealt with it and it's yeah nobody has had an easy go of things after uh, psychosis and abolition and all this this sort of stuff. Um, but that's you know I guess that's like the basic rundown of what happened. I like everybody saw saw me starting to have a little bit of a rise. They saw this good old boy from Texas and. I guess develop some sort of a connection with me and that, you know, that was nice. Like I have always enjoyed like the support and the way people seem to respond to the things I like say and do or whatever. But, um, you know, unfortunately I just, uh, I just dealt with a severe, uh, medical emergency, a, a, a tragedy. Like my brain was in a fucking train wreck. um, and so that's why I just was like gone forever. And now I'm, you know, I ride the rails. I leave, you know, I'm here in a box car and everything I own is just on, in a, you know, a bindle at the end of a stick. But, you know, you bounce back. Like I don't, you know, I don't have any responsibility. I don't have anybody that relies on me except for myself. And my standards are, for myself are very, very, very low. So like I don't really have a lot that I got to take care of. I just, have a chance to rebuild, you know, one podcast at a time here on the Billionaire Podcast Network. And I'm still wrecking my brain. You know, uh, somebody, you know, if you're watching this and you go through the tape, you can understand why I was went from that. I don't know how any of that had to do with Phantasm, but I'm wrecking my brain how I connected those dots at, a few minutes ago. Um but yeah, that's that's sort of just the the quick rundown of what happened. So if you're gonna do, you're gonna smoke weed and eat mushrooms and do ass and all that, be very very careful with all that stuff. Um, I you know ideally you just don't do anything. You just get get clean as shit. Like that's where Scientology and like Mormonism and all that got it right. Is like just living clean, like drinking good good mineral water and eating. Fruits and vegetables and lean meats, good protein, fish, quinoa, stuff like that. Probably the best way to live, but, you know, nowadays it's like we're all pumped full of chemicals, you know, from the jump. Like, I I wake up in the morning, first thing I do, 
hit the vape, and then I fix a cup of instant coffee. I eat a toaster strudel or some processed bullshit. And then I have a glass of tap water. Then I have a Coke Zero. Keep hitting. The, the vape doesn't stop. You know, I wake up, I hit the vape, and the vape is just with me all day, just constantly. And now they hit, like, the the disposable vape. Like, the vaping is funny because, like, when it first started, everybody was getting the rigs, which always looked ridiculous. But it was, like, a decent investment, I guess, if you're going to suck on nicotine all day because you get the rig and then you get the juice and you just have a big bottle of juice you keep like pumping into this rig all day and blowing these clouds and then you know when the when the shit would get like burnt out the it was like the cotton or whatever like the coil would fucking burn out you replace the coil it was you know like a modular system like building a pc but for ingesting you know hazelnut flavored (laughs) nicotine juices but now, like now they have like everybody's seems to be leaning towards the disposables, which I will say they hit different than the rig. The disposables hit better. There's more of like a pain is an important, I, I guess, like a, a an important factor in some, like any tobacco or nicotine usage. You want like a certain uh, amount of pain involved in, in these things, and the rigs. Uh, they weren't that painful. There wasn't like a good throat hit. So you could suck on the rig and you could feel that you were like filling up with vape or whatever, but there wasn't that like hit in the back of your throat. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, it didn't give you that sting, that little, that little burn there and the disposables, they hit, they give you that little hit. They hit different. And, uh, and now they have like these ones that are like rechargeable, which you have to have like a. I don't even understand. They sell it without the charger, and then the fucking like port on it is one of the, like these newer like USB C. So you have to like find the fucking like right cable, like the either a USB C to USB C cable, or you have to find one that's like an old school USB to a USB C that you can plug into this. Um. And I have no, like, I have no fucking clue where to, like, fortunately I had, like, just a Tupperware, piece of Tupperware that had, like, a loose one rattling around. But I don't know, like, where the fuck you go to find, I, you know, I guess Best Buy or just any store that sells cables. I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's just, it's interesting that the the, the disposable vapes caught on to the USB-C technology before the iPhone did. The iPhone, you know, always used the lightning cable. And I guess now the new ones, the 15, I think, is using USB-C. But these disposable vapes, this one is the Orion Bar Lush Ice. No, that's not the new one. Where's the fucking one? That, oh, yeah, this is the one I bought today. Blueberry Pie. It's not that good. But it's it's what I, I don't really need it. It tastes good. I'll suck... That's the thing is like I just keep sucking on this all day every day. It dies. I recharge it. It's still okay, but then I go through a few cycles of sucking on it, dying, recharge, rinse, repeat until it just it just starts tasting like you know batter like burnt batteries. You know you suck on it and it just it like it it there's no flavor left. It hurt, really hurts at that point, and it just tastes like you're like you lit a nine volt battery on fire and you're inhaling the fumes off of that. 
that's sort of what uh what happens with these. It's just all day, every day. It can't be good for you. <laughs> like there's nothing about this that's uh, you know, these things like all the vapes and stuff were I think for a lot of people marketed as there was like this this promise, this this hope that this stuff would be better than cigarettes or at least healthier in some way. And um cigarettes might be healthier than this. I don't you know, I who knows. But uh, there there is like something about the vape that feels very dirty, in the same way that like when when Spice and K two came out, you know, like those felt like very dirty alternatives to marijuana. Where it's like just smoke weed. Like what are you doing with this? The vape feels the same way. Where it's like it's hitting, it's giving you the nicotine and all that, but it feels like you know, first off, it's not elegant in any way. Like a cigarette, there's like a certain elegance to it. And whether that's to do with like the marketing of cigarettes that existed for many, many years that made them like a cool thing, or if it's just like naturally elegant, like I, you know, who knows, but they're like smoking a cigarette is like a very elegant, cool thing. You know, like if you, if you see, there's, there's like a good window for women especially where a woman looks hot smoking a cigarette and then, but then like she hits the wall where she just starts looking like any of my aunts who have smoked forever where, you know, their, their lips are fucking wrinkled and they have like the yellow fingers and they're just aging like dog shit because of this habit. But, you know, I'd say anywhere from like 18 to like 34 for a woman, those are good smoking years. That's when a woman looks real fucking hot if she's smoking a cigarette and then she hits the wall and looks like just absolute fucking shit from it. Um, and then dies from COPD or emphysema or something. And then that, that was the promise of the vape where it's like, well, you're going to look like a fucking moron, like an absolute ignoramus smoking this shit. It looks, it looks stupid. They haven't come up with like, they haven't come out with anyone that actually looks you know cool or elegant anyway because it is just a fucking battery with a light on it so even like the ones that look still look like cigarettes still look ridiculous you know it look i mean it looks like you're playing pretend essentially um but the, you know there was this promise that like hey you know but maybe this is like a healthier alternative to tobacco and um it probably is not. It'll. It's probably going to give us all some sort of like cyberpunk, techno cancer, you know, like a like a like Tetsuo the Iron Man. You ever see that movie? That old like. There's three of them. Um, I think they can. I think the first one came out sometime in the mid to late '80s. There was like, you know, this like wave of a uh, cyberpunk horror movies in Japan. Uh, probably the big one would for a lot of people, it'll probably be, like, Akira, which is, like, the big anime everybody first sees, and it's also in the same vein as, like, any of these cyberpunk movies, but the, I think one of the, like, early, early ones, it's a black and white movie that you can see a lot of movies afterward draw inspiration from it, but this is, like, the OG, like, Japanese cyberpunk horror movie called, uh, it's called Tetsuo the Iron Man, and um, it's just a, it's a very surreal, almost like just experiment in filmmaking. It's black and white, and it might be eighty minutes long. And it's about a you know a guy. It's like a guy who's like obsessed with metal. Like I think I think in the credits he's listed as like the metal fetishist. 
So it opens with him trying to like cutting open his leg and trying to shove a piece of rebar down his calf. And then like he does this and then he freaks out when he sees that his like flesh is rotting because he shoved a rusty piece of rebar in his fucking leg. So there's like maggots and everything. So he freaks out, runs out in the street. Uh, a salaryman and his wife are driving in a car, run the dude over, kill him. Um, and then through, you know, for whatever reason, the guy and his wife have just killed a guy and then they go down by the lake to fuck each other. And then as the movie goes on, the salaryman starts to morph into some sort of like metal robot, like fusion of metal creature, I guess is, is like, this is his uh, comeuppance for having killed this guy with no remorse and then fucking his wife. And so it's like, um, anyway, so yeah, that's probably what's going to happen with vapes is we're all going to turn into like I, Tetsuo's like from that movie or something. We're going to get some weird techno cancer and then we're going to start seeing like metal shavings, you know, growing out of our skin and, um, you know, my pe- you know, my penis will turn into a drill. Uh, that, you know, that happens in the movie. <clears throat> but it's, it's the first in a trilogy. And that movie is very, like, surreal and dreamlike. They're all, you know, they all have a dreamlike quality, I guess. But that one, there's not a lot of connective tissue in the movie. Like, there's not a lot of, like, plot or character development you can, like, put together. It's just sort of, like, this experience. And then... There's two more in the trilogy. There's Tetsuo 2, Body Hammer, and then Tetsuo 3, The Bullet Man. And I think those movies try to actually tell some sort of story and give like a uh, a reason for these things happening or have like some, you know, some some narrative and character development and plot with all this stuff. But in my opinion, like none of it works as well as the first movie where it's just like, just shit's happening and it just looks cool and it feels cool while you're watching it. And there's no possible way to ever like give any sort of like, um, you know, fulfilling explanation for any, any of this shit. It's just an experience, you know, sort of, it's sort of like the cube, the cube trilogy, you know, um, you know, cause I'm a big fan of cube. The, uh, what was the director's name? He did that movie splice with Adrian Brody and the other lady. He's done a bunch of shit. Vincenzo Natale. Cube 1997. Was it? Um, like a, that was, that's another like sci-fi cyberpunk horror movie from Canada. It's about like five strangers who wake up in a cube and the cube is attached to an infinite series of cubes and some are booby trapped, some aren't, but <clears throat> there's no reason for why they're there or any explanation ever given to any why any of this is happening. They're just like confused and paranoid and conspiratorial and suspicious of one another, trying to figure out like how to get out of this situation. But um, the movie is you're just watching these characters, you know, struggle in this situation. And the movie doesn't really concern itself with like um, a backstory or giving any sort of, meaningful explanation for any of this the whole thing is supposed to be a mystery or an enigma that never really like gets resolved in any real way and then there were two sequels there was cube two hypercube and then cube zero which i is a prequel i suppose and uh cube two hypercube it's just a you know it's a mess 
you know, it's it's a it's a much di- you know they the cube has been updated and now it's like something to do with time travel and alternate dimensions and infinite universes. But there's more of um they they, they start like giving more backstories to what the cube is and the, some government program or defense contractor, blah blah blah. I don't even fucking that's a bad movie. And then an even worse movie is Cube Zero, which is the first, the only one in the series where you actually see uh, the stuff that is happening outside of the cube, where it's these two guys who work as, like, observers of what's going on in the cube, and they have to, like, observe the people trying to run through these cubes and booby traps and stuff, and they start having, like, weird existential conversations with each other, and then you see more of like the goings on and like the organization behind all this. And I like, I don't know. It's fucking terrible. They were trying to like offer some sort of explanation for all this. And it just completely drops the ball. And it's, it's a a really disappointing trilogy. So if you're going to watch any of the Q movies, just watch the first one, call it a day. No need to uh, watch cube two hypercube or cube zero. And I would say the same for the Tetsuo movies. You could watch just Tetsuo the Iron Man and skip Body Hammer and Bullet Man. Um, Although, you know what? Those movies do have like really cool, just like action sequences in them. Body Hammer and Bullet Man. So you I mean, give those a watch, I suppose. Uh, But yeah, vaping is going to, I guess, give us all like Japanese cyberpunk techno cancer. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I, uh, what else? Fuck, I lost my train of thought. I got, I got too into thinking about cyberpunk movies because that shit's cool. I can, you know, brings me a lot of comfort just thinking about like, it's raining, it's dark. I'm walking down an alley. There's fucking lights and neon shit everywhere holograms are trying to get me to come into some sort of like robo brothel and then i you know i just sit there's like five stools in front of a like a street market like food like a street restaurant i sit on a stool i get like a bowl of noodles and maybe something on a stick and and maybe like a hot sake I just sit there while it rains and eat my food while holograms and lights and cars are zipping around. Just picturing that sort of thing in my head, like a, you know, just like I guess like an alley from Blade Runner. That's my happy place. Is It's the future. Everything is, you know, everything's advanced, but also kind of sucks. I'm in the rain eating noodles and, be- and meat on a stick and drinking some sort of sake or soju or something. Yeah, that's that's the move right there. I watched uh you know, I'm fascinated by money and the business of money and like these people whose jobs it seems to just be money itself, you know, like Wall Street or whatever. And um so I finally watched that movie The Big Short, which is is Supposed to like detail why everything sucks now, like why the entire like global economy melted down and give some some sort of like succinct or 
like offer some sort of like narrative or explanation as to like what happened. And I would say for like the two hours of this movie, like watching it, I didn't understand a fucking word anyone said in that movie. I was I was like watching it, and like I I understood that like something bad was happening that was going to like destroy the country and possibly the world, and people were freaking out about it, and then other people were trying to make like capitalize on the situation. But there was never a moment when I like had any sort of grasp over anything that was happening. I was like, what the like what the fuck is going on? Like, what do these people do? Like, what at that like at those levels of finance, like the the people like the Steve Carell character in that movie, Gosling, like all these guys who go to work every day in these like 60th, 70th floor skyscraper office buildings and just have like conversations and handshake deals and say things to each other. That all sounds like gibberish. I have no fucking clue. Like what they're actually doing. Like what's the job or what's actually happening in those rooms? Like what deals are being made? Like they go, they go into like different offices and just say like, I'll, you know, I want to buy a hundred million default, you know, credit default swaps. And then the bank is like, sure, we'll sell you this. And then they draft up some sort of deal. And this guy buys something, some intangible abstract idea that the bank has agreed to sell him. And I'm like, what is actually like, what's changing hands here? Like what the fuck is even being sold or, or traded or bought? And why is this like destroying the fucking country? I, I like there was no I can never wrap my head around anything that was happening in that movie. And I guess that's maybe that's the point is it's like deliberately does like the whole design of that world and like the way the entire fucking economy operates, I guess, is meant to be so fucking baffling and confusing that most of us just try and get like a decent job and hold on to like seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year until we can, you know. I guess, like, retire one day and just live a life, you know, just die, I guess, lonely with not much money. Because, like, that that option is, is, I guess, like, more pleasant than actually, like, learning how any of this shit works and trying to make any real fucking money. Because the second you try to actually understand the world of finance and Wall Street and, like, how <clears throat> money actually works and how to actually make it, it's it's such a fucking labyrinth, like a riddle wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in an enigma, that you go, yeah, you know what, fuck it, I'll just go, I'll just try and get in the UPS union and not, like, have to fuck around with all this, because it's, it's like, that's what it seems like, it's like, it's all, it's all like, you know, like a big, uh, like a, a macro version of, like, walking up to, like, if you, like, if you're like me and you don't understand, like, uh, table games at casinos like if i walk up to a blackjack table and they have like all the rules on the table and how all the bets are made and all that stuff i just get overwhelmed i'm like i don't know what i'm looking at like i understand the rules of blackjack like how it works fundamentally but once you start factoring in like how the betting works and splitting and all this other shit i'm like i just get overwhelmed i'm like fuck it, i'm going to the slot machine i'm not fucking around with like these table games because i don't know what i'm doing now I feel like I'm just getting in people's way and, and I'm out of my element here with all this. And and so like when they talk about the actual world of finance and stock market being sort of like a casino, it's just a bigger version of that where it's like deliberately made to be the most fucking confusing thing on the planet so that only the people who I like, I don't even, I don't fuck. Dude, I'm getting like mad tra- just thinking about this. 
Because it's people like all the people that do it don't actually fuck like tangibly fucking do anything. They put on suits and act like they're all big for their britches and like they they control shit and like produce something, but they don't like everything. They deal in abstract ideas and intangible things that don't actually exist and, and go shake hands with different bankers and other Wall Street guys and have nonsense conversations and get on the phone and make deals. But there's not like nothing's actually being produced or anything's actually happening, but they're making more money than fucking anybody. There's like there's like a a scene in the movie in the big short where like the the Christian Bale character, that guy Michael Burry, who like used to be a doctor, like one of these other Wall Street guys, like takes a dig at him and says, you know, I remember when you were just some doctor. As if like that, like that's how he's insulting him. It was like, remember when you were just a doctor? before you got into the world of finance, remember when you, you know, only uh, saved lives and helped people and did good things for the world before you got into, you know, where the real heroes are, which is the high stakes world of finance. Um, That was like my takeaways. Like all these guys like run everything and control like the flow of fucking commerce and all that, but they, they don't do it. They don't actually do anything. And that, that seems to be what the movie's about. Maybe is like the the economy itself and the ups and downs and whims of it are all kind of being manipulated by people who don't have any other interest in mind, but they're all like making more money themselves. But even even their dipshits who don't fucking know what's going on, and, and like they find out that the entire fucking economy is gonna like collapse and try and figure out a way to make money on that and and so that was the thing that pissed me off about the movie is like it tries to create some sort of like moral center for some of these characters like all the characters find out that the entire fucking housing market's gonna go tits up and people are gonna lose their asses and so like the first thing they all start to try and do is short the actual american economy itself which as I understand it, it's like you're betting the economy is going to fail, and I don't really understand what's happening there. Like, I don't understand, like, what happens when you go into a bank and you go, yeah, I think the entire global economy is going to collapse, so I want to buy something so that when it does, I make a ton of money. And then the bank actually has, like, something to sell that says, like, okay, so you're going to, like, we're going to sell you this thing. And part of that deal is, like, you will pay a premium on it in the event that the economy doesn't, like, never collapses. You will have to continue to pay for this thing. But once, if the economy does actually go belly up, like you say, you're going to make a ton of money somehow. I don't, I, (laughs) it fucking hurts to think about what the fuck is going on. Uh, if anybody understands finance, hit me up. Try and explain this to me because I don't know what I still don't know what happened or how any of this works or what any of these people fucking do. And it's like one of my favorite genres of movies, just like movies about these money guys, these finance guys. Uh, because it because it's just movies where I can feel what's happening emotionally, but I don't understand a word anyone's saying or what what actually is going on whether it's this movie or trading places or wizard of lies or wolf of wall street or any of these fucking movies i love these movies 
because it's a glimpse into that world and and like how like fast it is and all the stress and like the wheeling and dealing that goes on these intense conversations <laughs> no fucking clue what anyone is saying to each other they're like all speaking some weird language i don't like the language of money itself which if you understand you can make a lot of it i don't you know <clears throat> i don't understand money i've been foolish with it my entire life and now i have none but i will be the first billionaire podcaster um yeah that was I mean, overall enjoyable movie great performances i love those moments where the movie itself gives up on trying to like even have a nar- like the narrative and be like there's like three different times in the movie where the movie itself is like, all right, this is confusing. So here's a celebrity to try and explain this part to you. And then like the, the first one, it cuts to Margot Robbie. And then the next time it's Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. And then the last one is like Selena Gomez trying to explain what's going on. But even those moments where like these celebrities are presumably supposed to simplify this for you and just speak directly to the camera. I still was like, uh, that that didn't clear me. I, that still made no sense what you just said. Um, but you know, fun movie, and it was, um, uh, you know, Adam McKay made it, so it was like a proto precursor to I, I, I suppose Succession, because you see a lot of what stylistically a lot of the things that would go on to make Succession such a good show are in the Big Short. Um, so that's, you know, I guess that's the movie corner for a movie that came out eight years ago, 2015. So yeah, an eight year old movie. Um, the most disturbing, (laughs) the most disturbing thing about it is like the Christian Bale character, that guy, Michael Burry, there's like this, um, tag at the end of the movie where it's telling you like what happened with these people. And I guess like he shut his business down. And it just like is is doing like investing and trading all that just uh, by himself as an individual, and it says like the only thing he's trading in, like the thing he's specializing in now, is like one commodity, which is water. And I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And so I like I, I kind of like looked it up and skimmed through some of the stuff that this guy's been up to, and I guess he's one of these guys that's like convinced that. Uh, water is the commodity to really get into a- as it becomes more and more privatized. So he's, you know, he's he's like a finance guy who's like, all right, it's time to it's time to really start like turning the screws on the water supply. Which <laughs> is like that's the thing that gets me about any of these. Like they have more money than they know what to do with, and they notice these trends. It it, it like whether it was like the housing thing or, or I guess he notices he sees some trend with water happening that if he, you know, if he were so inclined could take, use that knowledge to like help everybody, like take it to the news or uses like money and funds and power and resources and influence to stop whatever catastrophe he sees coming from happening but instead he he like sees that something i get like i guess at some point something's going to happen with the uh, water that's going to i guess like really fuck us and so he sees this and instead of like 
really telling anybody what he's up to. He's just like, well, you know, water's a big commodity. He, like, he speaks in, like, roundabout things and keeps everything tight, like, close to the vest. Because I Because if if it's anything like the movie, he's banking on something tragic and catastrophic happening with water so that when it does, he stands to make the most money from his finagling and investing. And for, you know, maybe that's just a human thing. Like I think like everybody who would consider themselves a leftist and I mean like a real leftist. I don't mean like this neoliberal shit that's basically the same as being Republican. Like I like AOC or any of these fucking people that the right claims to hate. I, I think like they've all they all get like caught up in the system and start making all this fucking money. So they just speak in platitudes and, and say things to try and like appease their base when really they're you know, they're all on the same side and don't have any like vested interest in the people they claim to represent because you know <clears throat> they work a job that you know because they're a government employee we're all aware of their salary which at the highest level of government the president himself only makes like four hundred thousand dollars a year so i mean why is it when somebody like diane feinstein uh at the end of her life is it, she's she was just a senator and has like a net worth of 220 million dollars so i mean what the fuck is going on there um and so that's why like when i say leftist i don't mean like the liberal versus republican or what whatever the talking points are i mean like true hardcore leftists or who are people who hold no like positions of power influence or money or anything i think like everyone that would consider themselves a leftist is is like Anywhere from dirt fucking poor, just flat broke, to maybe lower, middle, maybe even upper class, like, those would be the people who I would say are, like, leftists who fall into some sort of, like, bracket where they either have no money or have enough money to be kind of comfortable where they can still empathize with everyone else, but they're not, like, rich, rich. But I, something, I think it's just a human thing where it's like something probably switches in your brain when you start like getting enough, like start having enough money and resources. Like when you reach that sort of tax bracket where you can, I guess like when you are rich and can start exploiting the economy itself, like when you finally reach that, when you get that seat at the table, when you have enough money that you can go, Oh, here's all the tax loopholes, and here's how I can get out of paying taxes, and here's how I can invest my money in ways to make even more money, and like here's all the blah blah like all the things I can do to just like start making tons and tons more money. That might just be a human thing. Like once you once you reach like a tipping point in terms of your own individual money and resources, you just want more and more and more and more of it. And so that's why I think the only people who are like true leftists just haven't gotten there and probably never will get there. So they can exist as, as leftists their entire lives. Whereas I think anybody who does come into any sort of like substantial amount of money at any point in their life starts leaning a little more to the right where they're like, all right, you know, I, I kind of see 
you know, I kind of see what's up. And I, I, yeah, I think having money is awesome. I think being rich as fuck is awesome. And I think, and I don't think everybody should get to be here. I think there should be a hierarchy and, uh, you, you know, you got to do what I do, which was have rich parents or like whatever, ever people come into money, you know, cause I, you know, isn't that the thing is like, it's easy to hate billionaires if you don't have a billion dollars. But I feel like if I had a billion dollars, I'd be like, yo, this fucking rocks. I love having a billion dollars. And I love all the other people who have a billion dollars. This is fucking incredible that I have a billion dollars. All my friends have billions of dollars. And we just get to go to, like, balling-ass restaurants and eat different, like, cold soups. <laughs> whatever. You know, whatever they serve. <laughs> whatever this is, you know, that... To me, that's like a, what strikes me as like fancy eating is a is a good cold soup, like a vicious saw. You know, once they once they start bringing out like weird shit like that, where it's like, yo, here's a fucking cold fish soup. It's like, oh, okay, now this is this is living right here. <laughs> you know, not like the cold soups I eat, which is just open a can of Progresso and eat it straight out of the can. <laughs> That's that's my version of, of a cold soup is is Campbell's thick and chunky, straight out the fucking can, baby. Maybe some ranch style beans straight out the can. Damn, yeah, I wish I had money. I wish I understood it. I would love to be like a stock market or a crypto guy, like to have that kind of money where you just like, you know. You, you, the work you do is just sitting in front of a number, looking at fucking charts and numbers, and trying to figure out like what bets to make next. Essentially, god damn, dude, that seems so cool. It's better than actually working a real job, which is for the fucking birds. Um, I'll get there. Don't even trip on that. I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a crypto trillionaire. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I have no fucking clue what money is or what the economy is. And I guess like, you know, right now I would say I'm a leftist, but if I ever, if I ever have any like real money in my life at any point, I'm going full fucking right wing, baby. I'm watching, uh, you know, I'm watching Fox news. I'm listening to Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson. I'm getting into it. Um, or, you know, I mean, whatever, like they're all, they're all the same thing, whether it's AOC or Mitch McConnell um, any of these fucking people are all, they're all in it together. The only person that seemed like that maybe was outside of it in any way was Bernie Sanders. And he was just like, just too radical for anybody in this country to wrap their fucking head around in any like real way. Like I understood it and I liked him, but it like even like even a guy like me, I'm fucking dumb and I was like watching this dude and I'm like, yeah, he says a lot of cool shit and it is like a nice glimmer of hope, but there's like no way anybody's gonna fucking go for what this guy is, is talking about. There's no fucking way this guy's gonna like his his own party is not gonna let him like get like exist. There's no fucking way. Um because like you know the this the the people that run things i guess fuck dude, i'm not like even like a real political guy i try not to get into this shit too much cuz like you start like really caring about this stuff and 
And then that just becomes your whole personality and nobody really wants to fucking talk to you anymore because it's like, Jesus Christ, this is, you know, it's all this guy ever fucking talks about is politics. And then you turn into somebody like Jake Flores where it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, keep bitching and fucking whining and, and maybe, maybe that'll pan out for you. It's like, create things that nobody likes because it's all like political and fucking leftist commie bullshit. And, and just keep fucking pissing and moaning, and maybe yeah, maybe that'll pan out. Like, don't even you know, don't even try to fucking entertain anyone or be funny or like have any sort of conversation other than like ones where you try to push your fucking own weird values onto people. Just keep doing like this shit, and yeah, that's really gonna fucking pan out. You're gonna have lots of friends and make lots of money and be real successful because you're a 36 year old communist who pays. Or gets paid for a fat bitch to bat your nuts around while you do poppers and cocaine. Like, yeah, a real, what a really fun fucking guy. And that's, but that's with anybody who gets like too wrapped up into politics is it's like, dude, shut the fuck up about all this. That, that used to be the thing is like when you're hanging out with your boys or with anybody, it's like, it's one of the things you don't talk about. It was always like religion politics and I don't know what was the other one abortion I don't like I don't know you just didn't talk about this shit and now it's like so many people's entire fucking personalities and like I don't even like understand most of it like I I have no fucking clue what's going on politically or like how anything works or whatever and then like anytime I started like trying to read up on this shit or like figure out what's going on I just get I get mad and frustrated and, and like upset Cause then I start to like maybe kind of understand it. And I'm like, man, this is all fucking bullshit. And I can feel myself turning into something and I go, you know what? Maybe I just shouldn't like even pay any attention to this. Maybe I should just like go watch fucking like reruns of uh, Dragon Ball Z or something and try not to think about this. Um, But what was I saying? Oh yeah. So, but, I mean, I will say it is like, it's interesting how the, the people that do kind of like control everything that like turn the gears in this country and establish like the overall mood and mindset of the American people, they've kind of like ingrained it in everybody to, to definitely like uh, act and vote and just over like feel things that are like against their own interests and the interests of like everyone else. So like any, that was the thing with Bernie is like any whiff of something that might be close to like have anything to do with socialism in this country. No, I mean, there's just no fucking way, dude, because like this country was founded on strict, hardcore Puritan suffering and we're never going to have it any other way. It's the, you know, the American, the true American way is, you fucking you suffer, you but you pull you know you work hard, you suffer, you live in pain, you scrape and try to make you know enough money to take care of you and yours. You get yours, and then you tell everyone to fuck right the fuck off. I'll never help another goddamn person in my life. I suffered. Everyone else should suffer. Fuck all y'all. And then meanwhile, the people at the top. Or, just, or like, all right, it's all going according to plan. They all fucking hate each other. Good. And, and where, whereas, like, yeah, I mean, if, if people were more, like, conscious and aware of, like, how we are all kind of, like, 
living like this crabs in a bucket thing when maybe there could be some sort of solidarity in that way, but it's never going to fucking happen because like, you know, there's always just that chance that like, if I just keep fucking suffering and not helping anyone and just doing what I'm doing, then maybe I can also become rich as fuck one day. So fuck everyone else. Um, and then, you know, that's my philosophy is like, yeah, I'll, you know, fuck all y'all. I'm going to get mine and then tell it, you know, tell everyone else to eat shit, do what I did, start a fucking podcast and, and you know, do podcasting until you're fucking rich. And then it's like, oh, it didn't work out for you. Well, I guess I guess you're not entertaining like I am. I guess you just don't have that the spirit of broadcasting within you. You know, maybe you didn't listen to Michael Savage for hours and hours like I did when I was a kid. Listening to some weird Jewish guy in San Francisco scream about pinkos and commies and shit like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you like to think that maybe we'll get to a point where we can help each other and live some sort of a better life. Maybe there's you know, hope for something like that. But then again, it's, it's like, what, you know, what, what sounds better as an individual, like some hippy dippy utopia where we all pull for one another and take care of each other. And I'm talking about on a strictly individual level like that, like a, like a global commune or getting rich as fuck and eating cold soup with other rich people, you know, think of like, on an individual level, I'll take the cold soup. You know what I mean? All right. I guess that's it for this one. Thank you.